Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And before we get started with today's episode, I've got something I want you to ponder. I want you to think back to a time when you were asked, where do you think you'll be in 10 years? A pretty straightforward question, right? Something we could probably answer. I mean, maybe we have some dreams, aspirations, set some goals for ourselves, or maybe we have this life routine that we're in and we can kind of project that out, right? And think about where that would take us in 10 years and probably get to a pretty comfortable answer that we could predict, right? Now, what if you were asked the question, where do you think the web will be in 10 years? Okay, a little more challenging, right? Web's pretty fluid, a lot of new changes all the time coming around, but you know, the web's been around for a while, so there's probably some patterns there that we could go off of and predict and maybe come up with a, a pretty good, solid uh, prediction of the future, right? Now, what if you were asked, where do you think this specific web technology will be in 10 years? I mean, I don't know, gone, replaced, maybe deprecated, right? Certainly a lot more challenging to predict that. These things, I mean, a decade's worth of life cycle for some, some web technology is crazy. So when our guest proposed this topic of Angular in 10 years, needless to say, I was super intrigued as to what he'd come up with, uh, where he sees that future being, uh, how he came up with that idea, uh, super, super interesting, right? So. That's uh, the topic of today's episode. So let's get into it. Uh, say hi to our panelists, then we'll meet our guests. Uh, joining us today, we've got Alyssa with us. Alyssa, how's it going? Hey, guys. Good to be here. And we've got Mike with us. Mike, what's going on? Uh, not too much. I'm glad I'm not the guest who's going to be on the line trying to decide what's going to happen in 10 years. 10 years. I, so at 10 minutes. I've got about 10 minutes solid, but 10 years, not me. Who knows, man? I don't know if he's going to want to put some money on it, maybe some Bitcoin. I don't know. But, uh, you know, this thing's recorded. So at least we'll have this thing 10 years from now to find out how accurate he was. Uh, but, uh, oh, and did I mention that our guest this week that's going to do these predictions is the one and only Jeff Welpley. Jeff, what's going on? Hello, hello. How's it going? Uh, going I great. I am super excited and I actually know exactly what's going to happen. So this is, it might be hard for you guys, but this is like easy for me. Um, you know, it's like I watch a TV and, and uh, can kind of. The, the humility, it's so <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> yes, yes. No, well, I love it. <laughs> well, I, I really hope for your sake that, that this stuff does come true. <laughs> well, if it's good stuff, right? So we'll see. With those kinds of promises, I'm not taking notes in pencil. I'm not using pen. I'm going straight to Sharpie. Oh, man. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. All right, Jeff, what, what have you been up to? I've uh, been up to quite a bit. I mean, it's always fun to join you guys, obviously. And uh, among other things, I now, uh, even though GetHuman is still around and I still work there, I, I am officially the uh, CTO of Swish now. It's sort of a uh, pivot that we've done. And so a lot of my uh, focus has been on kind of building up this new product, still with Angular, of course, and <clears throat> still a lot of the same types of technical challenges that I've always kind of been working on with the web and server rendering and all that type of stuff. Um, but now I'm kind of a new area in budgeting instead of customer service. Um, so that's been fun, um, and then still doing a lot of Angular stuff, still speaking at conferences, meetups, and that type of thing. Um, so yeah, it's still thinking a lot about um, the current, past, current, and future of Angular, which is where kind of this this came up, Justin, when we were talking about it. Nice, nice. And for viewers who might not know, Jeff used to host this, this show. So uh, yeah, it's, it's always great to have him back anytime he wants to come back. So, thanks, Justin. Although I believe that at this point you have been hosting longer than I was, so it's really uh, I, I, I am the minority hoster. You are by far the majority uh, hoster in terms of the historical reference. Oh man, that's that's deep. You know, if I were to look back ten years from now, uh, ten years ago, I, I probably wouldn't have <laughs> that idea. So. No, 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 definitely <laughs> not. And, and actually, that's probably where. Before we get into like actual predictions and what we we think, uh oh, are you frozen a little bit? Um, it's hard to predict the future, right? Like it's generally people are bad at it. I mean, in fact, Alyssa, just kind of going going to you. Do you know 
Can you kind of uh, predict what you're going to be doing in five years? I would have said yes, like three years ago, like right when I was graduating from college for this, but like I never guessed that I'd even be where I am now. So uh, maybe a little bit more wiser Alyssa is going to say no, even though I would hope that I like I have a plan, right? But like there's the plan and then there's like reality and like it always it's it's never like at least for me, it's never been like worse than the plan, but it's always been way different than the plan. So mm -hmm. well, <laughs> hey, by the way, just as a total aside. It's actually amazing that you have a plan because most people do not even have that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously, most people are just like, five years, I have no idea what I even want to do, much less what they think will actually I started happen. like reaching my goals too early. And so me and my husband are like, all right, what's the craziest goal? And I think right now my craziest goal is to take over like Tesla, the company. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I could work for Tesla. And we're like, no, that's too, that's too low. We got to go shoot loftier. So no, I, yeah, yeah. I like to be ridiculous with goals. So I hope that we hear some, you know, real goals for Angular, but also some like hopes and dreams too, because that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and that's the thing is that um, it's, it's hard because our mind doesn't work in the, in the same way that actual like innovation and, and, and uh, the, the progress occurs. Like uh, there's a great article uh, that I, I it will include a link in the show notes, but um, from waitbutwhy.com. Have you guys ever, um, you guys ever read that blog post? Uh, I forgot the guy's name, Tim something or the other. He writes these really long form blog posts going really in, in depth on certain subjects. And so he wrote one on um, the artificial intelligence revolution uh, and just like super, um, trying to achieve like super artificial intelligence and like when we're going to get there. And the thing that he points out is that if you look um, historically, uh, you know, we're actually starting to exponentially get grow faster and faster towards, you know, greater technical innovations that like, let's say a thousand years ago, like if you go back a thousand years and, and you take somebody from that time period and then you go back another thousand years, those two people, the, the differences are actually not that great between those two time periods. Uh, but then if you, for us, if you just go back like 10 years, there's like a pretty huge, there's a, a whole bunch of stuff it's very, very different. I mean, 10 years ago is when cell phones, like uh, the iPhone started to come out, right? Could you imagine not having an iPhone or, or, or similar smartphone now? I mean, it's just those like old flip phones before that or something like that. Uh, I mean, it's certainly young, a younger generation, like it's totally unthinkable. Um, so a lot can happen even in like, we're at sort of the cadence of like 10 years for these like crazy um, cycles. It could end up being, you know, going forward that it gets much shorter than that, which is totally hard for us to even fathom that like every, what, five years, two years, these like, like what are we going to have, like flying cars by, uh, you know, uh, the, the next uh, decade? Hey, so, no, we were predicted flying cars a long time ago and they're yeah. still not here. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, some things take longer than the others. Um, but I saw this other uh, good Bill Gates quote, and then we'll get into like some of the Angular specific stuff. But like uh, Bill Gates is like one of his famous quotes is like, we always overestimate the change that will occur in the next two years, but underestimate the change that will occur in the next 10. Um, so it that, that sort of, uh, that along with other things, I was just starting to break down like these different predictions, got me thinking about that like really, I, I think of things in sort of like three separate categories. There's sort of the stuff that's reality today, like um, like it's already reality, but there's maybe like some stuff that's still in motion. It's not like um, everything's not there, and so you can already, you you feel like pretty 100% sure that this is gonna happen in the next like couple of years. So that's like the sort of two year horizon of, of of various things that are gonna happen. Then there's like stuff that are ideas now, so they're out and people are talking about them but it isn't really reality yet. Like there isn't a ton of stuff built in terms of like web development and Angular um, for this stuff. It's just like, you know, ideas, like theoretical ideas, but it seems feasible that it's going to happen. And that's kind of like the, in my mind, the, the five-year horizon. Um, this sort of 10-year plus horizon, that's where the crazy stuff happens. That's where like you can make bonkers predictions and like, I, in all honesty, it's, you, it's, going to be a mix of stuff that we've never even conceived like is possible, but we'll try to do it here. Do you have like, since you've pondered this before, do you have any ideas why that would be? Why it's, um, 
why we lowball like the near future, but like underestimate like the far future. Is that just like human nature? I don't really get that. That was interesting when you said that. So I'm curious if you've thought about it. Well, I, I think for lowballing, I, I, I can definitely answer that. I'm not as sure on the on the on the other side, but uh, for lowballing, I, I think it's 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 like something that happens to a lot of software developers too, right? Well, I mean, I guess there's different types, but at least for me and and a lot of people I've worked with, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I I totally get that. Like I understand how to develop that thing, but then when you actually write the code, there's always like these like little, little tiny things that like, even though you fully understand exactly what you're gonna do, it still ends up being like longer than you think because of like all these like nitty gritty things. Um, hey, I, why is that? I don't know, that, that's, a, that's a really good question. I just know it happens like constantly. Um, I feel like I can get 90% of a test done in 10% amount of the uh, total time. And then that last ten percent takes the ninety percent of time. Yes, uh, yeah, completely. And then, and then for the the other side of things, why um, the the things that we don't think are going to take forever like actually happen? I, I think actually, okay, the primary reason for that is because we aren't able to connect certain dots that are out there, but we aren't just aware of them because like. For example, let's say flying cars. I, I'm, I, that isn't one of my predictions, by the way, but we just kind of like brought that up, so I'm thinking about it, uh, especially in an angular-driven flying car. But but you know, maybe it is on the 10-year horizon, and if you like, kind of were able to see everything happening in the world, all the different innovation pieces, like you would be able to predict that too. Like you, like people could accurately predict that if they had enough information. But but on the 10-year horizon, there's so many things happening that are outside of our view that it makes it extremely difficult um, to AI too. Like AI is the same way that, that you see certain things, but like I, I guarantee that none of us see all of the crazy like innovations that are occurring all over the world for the different aspects of machine learning and artificial intelligence, which are ultimately going to impact our lives in some way. Maybe part of it is some of the uh, logistics and barriers that come up into play. Like if you take, for example, flying cars, right? There's the logistics of where are the roads and, and what is the governing body that decides like, you know, the, the rules around that, right? And maybe when we talk about software, we think about, hey, th th we can create this feature and it's pretty straightforward and it's easy to do. But then all of a sudden you've got these user requirements and these business requirements that, that make those things a little more challenging to implement. So you could see the future and, and identify it, but you can't always get there because of other determining factors, right? Actually, that's a pretty good point because uh, like, let's take Uber, for example, like, like a better um, thing that if you thought like five years ago, like this is like a more, um, this isn't as crazy as flying cars, okay? But, but there's similarity to what you're saying because like five years ago, if you talked about like what Uber would be, people would be like, oh, that's not gonna happen because they, you think about like all the barriers, like, like that the cab industry has such a stranglehold on um, things and like, um, there's just like a lot of stuff that was well, working. Well, even like laws, you. right? Because different states, yeah. I remember like all of a sudden banning Uber and there'd be these weird signs at different airports. Like at one airport, I'd land and be able to catch an Uber, no problem. At another one, there'd be like all these anti-Uber signs all over the airport. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so even things like that that you don't foresee like states getting in the way of. So yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then the thing is that some of that goes away, like the, the, the impediments get unblocked. And then it opens up all this, like, it's just like this small things that are kind of impeding progress and then it's gone. And then it like the dam breaks open. Um, so I think that does happen, you know, quite a bit, uh, you know, as terms of like bigger innovations and that type of thing. Um, so anyways, uh, so I, that's my sort of breakdown and, and preface to like this discussion. Um, so getting into, you know, Angular a little bit, I, I think that uh, one thing that, uh, one, actually, one more preface before we kind of get into some of the predictions is like it, it is good to like think about what is the essence of Angular because theoretically, um, you know, you, uh, something might evolve like actual features. I think will evolve, and, and that's kind of like what we're going to talk about. But the constant there should be constants, specifically like what is Angular at its root? Like even if it, other features are developed over time. There is something that is like at its core um, defines what Angular is, and, I, and that is not just 
feature X or feature Y. So, so Mike, what, what do you, you're, you're on the Angular team. If, and actually, a, a version of this question was asked during the Q&A Q um, uh, for Angie Atlanta that I think you had thrown an answer to of like, how does Angular compare to other uh, languages? Like, what, what do you think is the essence of Angular? That's a tough one because there's so many different aspects of it. There's the technical aspects of it. There's the social aspect. There's, I don't know, just the mindset. Um, the essence. Like, what, is, what do you think? Let, let me give you, what do you think will not change over time? Like, what, what are the aspects of, like, what Angular is that will not change? I think it's the focus on making compelling web applications, or not just web applications, making compelling applications um, easier to develop. Um, and, and through whatever means that is, uh, whether or not it's providing the framework or tooling or the community or the support, uh, whichever means, I think it's to facilitate building applications. All right. What, what do you think, Justin? I think it's uh, capturing the edge of the web, um, allowing you to implement the web now, right? The features that are coming now. That I think this this always is progression towards you know, PWAs and service workers and, and performance and all these things of, of trying to make the the web of right now a reality for companies to build for. Okay. Yeah, and, and I have uh, some similar things to what, what you guys are saying. Like, I, I think that one, the things that I don't think will change, um, you know, being an all-in-one, um, framework like that, that's just like something like philosophically is at the core of angular has been always will always be that that the, the whole idea is to have just one shop for, stop shop for, for the most part of building applications and that is a different philosophy than other applications like like react obviously is focused just on like one aspect and they encourage you to kind of like piecemeal stuff together um so that, that's like one fundamental pillar. Um, you know, another one is like the multi-platform aspect of not, I mean, sure, it's, it's been a focus traditionally on the web, but like, I think uh, like a, a central focus in my mind is have, abstracting out the platform that like, yes, the web, but really use this to build like whatever app anywhere. Um, and, and also I think what Mike mentioned, uh, or maybe actually, sorry, Justin, you did the, the future forward uh, like that, like there's stuff that we're talking about will be available in the future. And then kind of like, it's almost like a polyfill for those. And that's always been something as well. Like even going back to the earliest days of Angular, that, that sort of concept of kind of bringing the future today. Um, so that, that, that's kind of like uh, the, the constants I would say in, and it, it's basically the set of development and runtime opinions. Like other, other than that, there's, there's, um, it isn't as much about performance feature X or that because that stuff, that type of stuff will change. Like the, the, the CLI is great, but like there's going to be new CLI features tomorrow and whatever. Um, the thing that in some way or form, it's going to be the set of opinions, um, you know, and there's certain uh, that may be different than other opinions, um, both for how an app is developed and then how it is run over time. And I think like not just the individual like opinions, but also like I loved how like Mike put it was the mindset because I feel like the community that we've created and that kind of like continues to hover around Angular, um, it does have this different feel um, and like this different attitude towards development. Like even though like obviously the syntax of Angular and Ember are very different, like the way, like the logical way that I've seen like Ember devs write and like Angular devs write, they feel different. And so I almost feel like that to me is more the core than any like one part of the technology because I feel like you could just completely rewrite Angular a third time and it'd be, <laughs> Austin just said that's because they use coffee script. He always has to take it there. Always. And he's the worst. Welcome, Austin, by the way. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> I, I think to Jeff's point, and sorry I'm late, everyone, and I got sidetracked, is you know, the two things that like really drive it home for me uh, that I think makes Angular like so successful, in my opinion, is the ability to in install it. And I've got everything I need. I don't have to worry about like bringing in a router, like, and then I don't have to worry about like, 
you know, bringing in, you know, some type of animation framework and some type of style library. And all those pieces, while it's like really great to have them really modular, at the same time, that also creates like fragmentation. Uh, now developers have to learn new libraries between each project, right? Like I might be working on one project and you're working on the, and we're doing the same thing, but we're using two different libraries. So now I have to learn your library when I roll onto your project. And just that velocity of having that cohesion between all these libraries, with the full set of utilities that I need to build out an application, I think is incredibly powerful and, and something that is not really like, drove home as a big selling point, I, I feel like. like I think that that is like a huge selling point. And the ability for organizations to be able to take these tools and have best practices around them and have opinions is even more powerful. So we've talked about that before, and I'd love a, like, a shorter way of like summing that up, like that idea. Is, is it basically just uh, fully like a full dev environment, like all the pieces are like provided, like how, what is like the short way of describing that? Because, you know, we've talked about that idea before of like how Angular is different because of that. And um, is it just the environment? Is that how you refer to it? <laughs> and, and some people don't like that actually. Like some people that is a downside, right? Like they want to be able to do their own thing and bring in the tool that they like. And, and they say that that discourages community contributions because, if like the official repos like building it right then no one else is going to try to build animations and that'll thus stifle innovation and so yeah, it's, like it's, it's a different philosophy for sure yeah. and i think both are valid though like it's not like one is better than the other in fact it's i think i would argue it's great to have both of those different philosophies that exist mm -hmm. and they play off one another in different ways you know what i mean um and Alyssa, to your point i i hear what you're saying and i think that you should come up with a term typically with these types of things there is this thing that you're just describing that that exists that i don't think has an actual term and generally speaking like that's where there's an opportunity to create one and oh, you you are good at doing these things so <laughs> I, I i challenge you to figure that out and all right i'll it. share it with you i'm gonna tweet it at you later <laughs> Good, good, good. Okay, so let's get to the predictions because the, the reason I'm, I'm saying getting into the essence of Angular type of thing is because that's sort of the foundation for a lot of this stuff that we're going to talk about. And, and then um, let, let's get into like the three different areas, like sort of, uh, within the next two years, and then like the five year, like the stuff that's conceptual now and you know could be a reality in the future, and then the ten year crazy stuff. Um, and so for the first one. Um, I think it starts with talking a little bit about the stuff that is actually in the pipeline. Like, uh, the, you know, we're close enough in, in this near-term future that, like, we can just look at what's already scheduled uh, to go out. So, like, Justin, you mentioned that you are doing a course on the next version of Angular and, and some of the stuff. Like, what would you say are, like, the biggest features and biggest things that are going to land? Well, I think it's like, uh, you know, more performance stuff, right? New render coming out, right? So that's going to help there. Um, obviously, there's this buzz around Angular Elements and where that's going to go and the MVP for that and what's what's the future hold for that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, again, more of the same of, of this, you know, taking what's there and, and improving upon size and performance and speed and all that stuff. Um, some of the big things. And Mike, what what other things would you add to that? Oh, the, the stuff that I'm currently working on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, because there's some of the stuff that's what I was going to get to. Some of the stuff that you're working on now for the CLI. Yeah, um, and it's all fresh in my head because uh, last week at, at G Atlanta, that's what I was talking about. Beyond the CLI, what's uh, coming? Uh, I can mention two things that are currently in beta right now. Uh, the idea to set budgets for your application, so that to give you some tooling to be able to control how big your application is getting, to know and get that real-time feedback at build time of, hey, my application's a little bit bigger than I want it to be. Um, as well as a feature, a new command in the CLI called update, which will allow you to um, update your application automatically. Uh, right now, it's, it'll just handle version numbers. Uh, hey, you're currently using Angular 4.2, for example, and the current version is 5.0. I know, 73, whatever it is. I like how you uh, say to be able to update handle that. Like, oh, pff, yeah, it's just going to do that for now. <laughs> okay, because the future is going to be so much better. Yeah. 
um, but to be able to um, find breaking changes and uh, patterns uh, in your application and also update those is later down the road. Yeah, so I, I asked uh, or went back and forth with Stephen Fluin about this as well. And, and uh, the way he broke it down was playing off of what Mike is talking about. Um, he, he sort of, he and I kind of went back and forth and honed in on kind of like four things, four main things um, that's sort of the, the near future. And so it's, you know, Angular, easier to learn for newbies, you know, which is a lot, a lot of the CLI, a lot, a lot of um, uh, improving abstractions so that they're non-leaky. I mean, like, for, just as an example, uh, you know, right now, we do have to care about AOT, right? Like, uh, because it, it, there are certain edge cases that occur when you're moving from dev to production. And I think, I would guess, yeah, not in your head that all of us have run into these issues, yes? Um, but theoretically, with some improvements, uh, we sort of get to the point where those aren't a problem and make it so that when people get started, they don't have to worry that that isn't a problem and, and those abstractions are non-leaky and then it's much easier overall. Then the, the second thing is um, easier to maintain. So that's some of the stuff Mike was just talking about with ng-update and ng-add, um, just making it so that the common things that developers do um, are easier to do over time and, and the framework kind of helps you as you know, kind of uh, level up. And, and, and part of this too actually also is, um, it, just even with other APIs, like there's this constant um, push towards making things like service worker super easy. So it's like it's 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 a no brainer to to use that you know web worker all, all that type of stuff. Are we getting so, too like, weak as devs? Like too soft <laughs> and pushy? Like, <laughs> oh, man. like what? Like I press this button and my web app's done. Like I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> that's a. Uh, that's another way to look at it, yeah. <laughs> well, we're just coming full circle back to front. Um, I, it, well, you know what, Alyssa, along those lines, uh, you should just be writing assembly code. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> you're, you're, you're a wimp for using high-order languages. I mean, give me a break. You're right. I'm sorry. I'm going to come back to assembly now. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Um, sorry. You are on number two, user maintaining. <laughs> isn't JavaScript becoming the new assembly, though? You know, oh, with God. all these higher-order, you know, languages that we're building on top of it and all you're these right. stuff. Because I heard I was talking to some guy the other day on this podcast, and I was like, Wait, what did you write it in? He was like JavaScript. I'm like, yeah, but like, what what flavor? And he was like vanilla. And I'm like, oh god, you did what? It, it was almost like hearing he wrote it in WebAssembly. So yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so those are two. The um, they're going to be improving the bundle size. Like that's a, like so. This is just like a runtime thing and build time improvements, like making the development environment easier. So combination of all those things. Like if I had to like kind of like combine them and talk about the two year kind of outline, uh, my my prediction overall is that Angular is going to, number one, two, two, so two things for the actual predictions, okay? Uh, number one is that within these next two years, uh, Angular is going to get rid of JavaScript fatigue. So JavaScript fatigue is a really big thing right now. In general, there's, there's a lot of um, de new developers especially, they just, it's hard to, like, forget about Angular. Like, this is any JavaScript framework. It, there's so much stuff going on, so hard to, get started and to maintain stuff to keep up with everything. Um, and so I think with a lot of these improvements, we're building towards this place when things stabilize to a degree that basically there'll be a point where it's so easy that as long as you buy into the system, like, it, like obviously it's a different story if you're kind of like still piecemealing together other things. But as long as you buy into Angular, um, you will be getting rid of this, this phenomenon of J JS, JavaScript fatigue. So is that okay. what you meant by user like maintaining or maintenance is like it's mm -hmm. it's it's removing JavaScript fatigue. That's like the same thing mm -hmm. kind of. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. okay. Yep. Uh, and then the second thing, uh, second prediction is that um, arguably it, Angular is, is still you know very strong in the enterprise, but I, I, I maybe uh, Stephen will get pissed to me when I talk about this. But the reality is that. Um, when I talk to a lot of companies today, it is a almost to every most companies I talk to, um, they have some level of discussions of like, oh, should we be using Angular moving forward or React or this other thing? We're in a state where even though like Angular it is 
works really well. People are creating awesome stuff off of it. But in some ways, like uh, part of it is this these these edge cases that we're still working out. Another part of it is almost like marketing, almost like um, uh, just a perception thing. I think to some degree, and. I believe that as things stabilize, as kind of this chase fatigue is, is removed, I think uh, it's sort of inevitable because of the opinions and the way that the current version of Angular aligns so well with traditional enterprise development that it's only going to become stronger. Then even it's strong today, it's going to dominate basically the, the enterprise. Like like basically it, within two years, it's going to go back to. Uh, sort of what it was, you know, three years ago or something, where it's just not even a question that if you're at a larger company, you're using Angular. Why right. is that upsetting to hear? Why would What's that be upset? Why would that be upsetting to anyone to hear? You were saying. Well, no, I, 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 I think because uh, I'm bringing up the reality that that's not necessarily the case today. Oh, gotcha. Okay. okay. So I've got a counter argument to that. Okay, go for it. <laughs> you would. So. <laughs> You could argue that platforms like .NET that have the total package, developer experience, all these things as the total package, are increasing or are decreasing their footprint in the enterprise to things like Node.js, which are like, let's say philosophically, .NET is like Angular, and React is like Node, where you have to piecemeal stuff together. And you're starting to see that rise of open source technologies and things like Node come into the enterprise. So what do you think about that counter-argument? Uh, you mean just that like the main focus will be on like the .NET type technologies that use like Node underneath the scenes? Is that like like are you saying that like Angular or anything else would be subservient to like these other technologies? Well, what I'm saying is like the Angular package, it, like being the enterprise, right? Like mm -hmm. you could argue that .NET is trying to be the same thing, but you're still seeing penetration in large enterprises of Node, which was never like uh, the enterprise. Uh, okay, okay, I, I, I see what you're saying. Um, and my response to that is you're wrong. No, I'm just joking. No, 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 no smiling even, like, I'm not. <laughs> I was laughing and my, my levels and my audio went red. I was like glad I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, in, in all seriousness, I, I mean, of course, there's going to be, I, I, I say it's going to dominate, like, of course, there's uh, always going to be some level of parity. And parity is good, by the way. Parity is really good. Um, but I think, relatively speaking, I, I think that it will be stronger than even what it is today. Maybe I'll leave it at that. Okay, Jeff, two-year predictions, those are pretty easy, right? I, we can agree <laughs> with those, right? That, that's, what's your five-year prediction? Okay. Oh, we get five-year predictions? Oh, oh I thought we were jumping straight to 10. <laughs> no, no, no. Five, five, we got a stepping stone, Alyssa. Come on, <laughs> stick with it. Okay, five years. So this is stuff that the pieces of it are starting to, you could start to see them today, but um, not quite quite there and not feasible for you know two-year timeline or whatever. Okay, so one thing is um, the, the web as a platform is growing better and stronger every day. And there has been for a while, actually, this kind of push and concept of like, hey, we don't need native development anymore. Like, or we don't need um, server rendering. We don't, we don't need all this stuff. All we need is like the, 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 the web can rule all, right? But that's, that's not the, the reality today is not that, okay? Because A, there are things that exist on other platforms that are not available on the web right now. And that, that's just like a black and white thing. Like there's just certain features that just not available. Um, and then the other thing is that there is, even though there is, for the stuff where there is, it's available, but these other platforms have today in Edge, um, there, there's, there's some, it might not, be a lot in some cases maybe it'd be more sometimes it's uh, performance related or you know maybe it you can do like, like 
Facebook only is this inherent advantage to using non-web platforms today because you also have an edge over the web in certain things for, for uh, you know a lot of performance-based stuff and and a couple other areas. I think that it's not feasible, to be honest, in two-year time frame to close all those gaps. There's just like I don't see it right now. Like it's the work is just not. We're moving inside the right direction, but like it's still a ways to go. Like it, like the native script, um, like a, a lot of building platform-specific stuff is still going to be hugely advantageous for these next couple years. But five years out, I think it's definitely feasible to work out a lot of those differences and basically get it to the point where for a majority of people, it's just the web. Web for everything, you know, like web components are, are uh, mature. Um, you're able to use a, a lot of the, um, you know, PWAs instead of native apps because of like stuff that's built directly into the phones. I mean, the only argument against this, um, like I think becoming a reality in, in kind of a five year horizon is if the individual um, platform providers like Google and Apple kind of like really put up um, block, uh, blocking some of that progress. Um, but I think that can only happen for so long. I, I think that they can uh, do that for a little bit of time, but I, I think five years is about the time when that kind of goes away and the web just really, really dominates. So basically, you think it'll just take five years for a web to have feature parity with any other platform? That is what I'm predicting, yes. <laughs> but not just feature parity, performance yeah. parity. Yes, feature and performance. <laughs> oh, wise Mike. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what that means ultimately, so like I'm a huge fan, obviously if server rendering, I've, I've built the, helped build the library for Angular. Uh, I'm a big fan of NativeScript. I think those are hugely beneficial right today, um, but I frankly don't think they'll be needed eventually. What about, so I disagree. <laughs> Just because you had to say no earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, go for it. No, but what about emerging technologies? So, you know, there's a lot of technologies like augmented reality. Like I just read the other day that Intel has like, they have a pair of glasses that they can use lasers to project images onto your eye, right? There's going to be all these things and the, and the phone is really going to kind of be like the CPU behind all these technologies. So in five years, what is that? 2024, 2023? That's a, that's a long time, right? And there's going to be, I think the landscape in five years and technology is going to totally change. And I feel like, yeah, maybe the web will be there, but there's going to be so many new things. So yeah, but, many new but, things. But why can't, um, what makes The web is always going to be catching up, I feel but, like. But no, why can't the web do those things? Like, why is the web catching up? Like, well, why, why is there that difference in the first place? Because if you made, like, just let's say, just it's for a second. It's a lot easier to build for hardware, right? Mm -hmm. Like, on a on an OS that you can control than, like, trying to get, you know, all these major corporations and the ECMAScript all to, like, agree and implement these features. I think that's why. All right. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. I, I, you're probably right that there is, like, always going to be this leading edge. Um, but I guess it comes down to how close is that gap? Like, um, I, I agree with you that there's always going to be a head. Uh, I guess I, I think that eventually that gap will be much closer where, it, you know, today there are a number of companies who have decided, like people that really believe in Ionic, let's say, or other things where they're just like, okay, we are betting on the web right now. We don't need, even though technically they can build something like, like fully native that has some, uh, you know, a little bit of edge more than uh, something that's web-based, but they don't because they don't necessarily need that, right? Like there, there's a certain amount of companies depending on their use case where they don't need that today. Um, I, I think that at some point in the future, that if that gap is small enough, there'll be more and more people that there'll always be some advantage. There'll always be some people where it is, uh, you know, some percentage where like they're gonna live on the very edge um, 
but the there's a cost to that, right? Like th there's a cost to building on straight on the platform versus like the general web. I mean, that's always been been the thing, right? That if you build something for the web and it has support everywhere, it's uh, easier to maintain, easier to build, that type of thing. So the the cost benefit analysis um, will be more in favor um, for companies doing kind of like just web only for, for everything in the future. Not that it'll totally eliminate it ever, maybe, but I, I think uh, percentage wise. Jeff, I think if you go back to something that you mentioned earlier with these, there's these impediments, right, that get in the way, but eventually there's enough of a push that you find ways through those impediments, right? And I think yep. that kind of what you're saying is the same along those lines of, of this stuff that now we talk about, it's easier to work with the hardware. Well, if there's enough push for, for the hardware people and stuff like that to make this web story better, then it'll find, you know, reminds me of another famous Jeff that said, you know, life finds a way, right? Uh, <laughs> there'll be a way that this stuff gets through. So, Definitely. Definitely. hey, so we're, we're getting close to our time. So we need to get to the 10 year prediction. Okay, okay. So 10 year, I mean, this is, this is the stuff that's, you know, I, I, I watch a lot of Black Mirror. You guys watch Black Mirror? It, it's like a lot of the, the same type of stories, like all like feature forward stuff where your mind's in a computer and that type of thing. But I do think, um, I don't know whether it's 10 years or maybe it's a little bit further out, but I, I think for the purposes of this show, I'll, I'll say 10 years, there's going to start to be integration between like direct integration between humans and computers that like, like literally I'm talking about some way in which our brains are able to interact with computers directly um, in different ways. So I, I, I think that um, as you start to get closer to that point, um, does the web even matter anymore? I mean, it, it, the internet certainly matters, but uh, the, the web is a platform. It seems like the more important thing, sort of what Austin was starting to talk about before, is just like VR, AR, like that uh, once you can kind of jack into your own brain, or even if like it could be devices as well, like as kind of interim steps, but at some point, um, like having to, uh, you work on the, the sort of limitations of the web. Like even though I, I do think it'll continue to improve, continue to drive things forward in the next five years, at some point we're gonna outgrow just that as a medium, just for in, the, the sort of more higher ceiling of being able to visualize like with VR and AR kind of like in our daily lives. Um, so I think, I, I, I mean, actually Austin probably has a better sense of this for like the shorter time period within 10 years. But I, I think 10 years is probably a good time uh, time period for a lot of that stuff becoming like more of a, a reality and, and getting over some of the technical hurdles that exist today. Um, and I think basically, as far as, you know, Angular and programming goes, I, I think eventually we're gonna be all living in sort of an Iron Man, Iron Man style, kind of like dashboard interface of Basically, uh, no more of this, I mean, typing, get out of here. Like, who, who, who types anymore? That basically combination of either verbally, like uh, voice-based programming, like the uh, interact, interaction with the computer to describe and, and um, configure our programs, uh, or physically uh, interacting through uh, you know, VR and AR of uh, creating these programs, and, and maybe as like a fallback, we'll, we'll always have kind of like the old school, like typing on a keyboard thing. But that, that'll be, you know, our, our kids, grandkids will kind of look at us uh, at that and kind of like shake their head and be like, you guys did what? With, why, why, are, why is the A next to S to D, F? Like, what, what is that all about? So you can strafe left and right. Yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about like, not just the idea of like a wearable, but almost potentially like an implantable, something that's always with you, always on, always connected. Yeah, and, and uh, programming is, it's still a skill. Like it's not like everybody can do it. There's still some skill to being able to do it, but you would be able to directly interface with the computer uh, through a combination of, of either your, I mean, ideally, I mean, eventually just like purely like your thoughts. Uh, but um, maybe even before that, a uh, voice-based uh, uh, interface to basically, because you can talk faster and you can certainly think faster than you can type. Um, and that'll only 
you know, exponentially increase, you know, our value of, uh, of uh, innovation. So um, just the other day, I saw on Twitter someone demoing uh, it's new tech where they were basically like controlling the computer with their mind and they wrote a JavaScript adapter where they could manipulate the page and they were like making the page shift colors. I, I wish mean, I you, have you, Did you see Uri's talk? Did you see Uri's talk that did that? He had this like band that he put on like he grabbed some rando from the audience and he like put this band on their head and it was like reading their brain waves. And so as soon as they like connected it, you saw like the different waves on the screen and then he had like interfaced that with his angular app and he had like recreated you know the dino that jumps when you have no internet and so whenever he would be like all right think really hard about this one thing and so i guess i don't know what he was reading specifically that would spike but whenever it would spike because of their brain the dino would jump and like they could only get past like five cactuses i think or something but it was still like oh my god that's they're doing that with their brain right so it's still it's a, a step in that direction so yeah Take a look at some of the stuff that Alex Castillo has put out. I think he may be the person that you're referring to. He has done a lot with uh, what he calls brain-based interfaces or brain-based interfaces. Another thing, though, I don't think the Internet's going to die, like what Jeff said. Like, I think there's always going to be that. But I think that there's going to be, like, the way that we interact with the page is going to be totally different. And just as developers, we're going to have to evolve, right? Like instead of using you know typing right we're going to use speech recognition and the browser already has webkit speech recognition i've used it it works really well surprisingly um but the hard parts there are it's not actually like capturing the voice it's parsing what you say and doing something with it that's the hard part and you can see how hard it is by all these companies like amazon and google trying to make Series and Alexas and stuff like that. Like they've got the intelligence of like a three-year-old. I think is what a, a, a study said. Um, Have you? Um, do you guys ever use Snapchat? I know it's like a totally random question. No, like anybody here? No. Okay, so that makes sense. So I use it because I'm in youth ministries, and it's seriously one of the only ways to communicate with some kids. Like that's the only way they'll talk is through that application. So I've gotten used to it over time. But I was actually on a podcast with Ward Bell and John Papa, and they were talking about how they literally just could not use it. And there's a ton, a ton of like hidden interface things, like where there's no indicator whatsoever. But if you like, you're on the camera and you swipe left or you swipe up or you swipe right, like different things will happen or you'll have different things available to you and so I actually had these like high schoolers they'd be like oh yeah just do this Alyssa and I'm like what what oh god and like they're just over and I'm like how did you learn that and they're like I just opened the app what do you mean and I'm just like okay so I that to me is like just a very short-term example of how using it just mobile apps right much less we're talking about 10 years and like brainwave like interfaces but it just how drastically different like user experiences can change and um, honestly what the generation like coming coming down the line what they're already getting accustomed to and so i think it could look bizarrely different and i'm excited about it so the good thing that i know is that i don't think javascript's going anywhere it, it is here for the long haul you see mm -hmm. all these like hololens right they have a javascript api right like all of these technologies are developing javascript apis around it just because of the mass adoption right and, and how easy it is to get started with it. So I don't think JavaScript's going anywhere. Uh, we're starting to see it in like cars now, you know, all these different types of things. So I think that, you know, whether the medium changes the way that we interact with things, I think that, you know, JavaScript is going to continue to be a constant there. Very cool. Very, uh, very intriguing, right? We'll see what the future holds. All right, well, we better wrap up the show. We're getting to the end. Uh, Jeff's got to head out. So let's get some uh, picks. Actually, uh, Mike, you have one last comment real quick? Yeah, I got one last comment. So Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park said, life finds a way. Jeff Welpley, Angular Air 2018, JavaScript and Angular find a way. <laughs> All right. You're, you're right I love it. All right, who's got picks? Anybody got picks? Alyssa, you having picks? I'm the pickless wonder, man. I'm sorry. All right, that's all right. We got to get the guest picks anyway. So Austin, Austin, you got some picks? Yeah. So 
uh, a v Visual Studio Code theme called Rain Glow. It's got, I'm like the pickiest person about themes ever. It's got 320 themes in this one extension. Literally, you can find something that will suit your needs. It's awesome. Also, Material 5.2 dropped yesterday. So get that while it's hot. Um, what specific theme, just for your like inquiring fans, do you use from Rain Glow since they have so many? Do you have like a favorite one? Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you would know the name of that. <laughs> you is, it is it Ringlo? What? Right? There's there's so many. Uh, there's so many. I I actually have been changing them around every oh, day. Oh, to figure it out. Once one. you find the perfect one, you've got to let us know. Of course. All right, Mike. You got any picks? I got nothing. Jeff will All pick right. for me. All right, Jeff. What's your picks? Okay, I got three picks. First, definitely watch the NG Atlanta videos. I, it was not there like Mike and Alyssa were. Uh, I've been watching them in the past day or so. Really great stuff, so check those out, and we'll include a link in the show notes. And then two other things I mentioned that we sort of, uh, my company pivoted and we're focused on this new budgeting app. Uh, so definitely check that out at swish.com. And also, I have just started a new video podcast in a very similar vein is angular air but focused on budgeting so it's it's not necessarily technical although we do end up talking to a lot of technical people just because i know a lot of people that are technical. what's it called uh it's called swish money live swish so money. yeah we'll include a link uh my uh next show is actually right after this one which is why i have to jump off um but we're, we interview a bunch of people both uh, entrepreneurs Techies, Joe Eames is coming on to talk about uh, his business. Uh, and we get into like some of the details of how you manage your kind of personal finances as well as kind of your, your business finances for, for um, you know, uh, owners and that type of thing. Uh, so yeah, it, it should be cool. Definitely check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks a ton for coming on. Really appreciate it. I uh, really appreciate getting your predictions as always. Uh, welcome anytime on the show. So uh, actually, I think you're going to be back. Is it next week? I think we're doing Universal next week. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> next week. I'm going to jump on. With, I'm going to be in Sacramento with. Uh, I'm going to try to get Patrick JS, and uh, he's going to be with me, and and Nathan Walker. Um, so we'll have a whole crew in Sacramento, kind of jump on um, uh, along with. Uh, yeah, it should be a good a good show talking about server rendering. Awesome. Two weeks of Wealthly. That's pretty. It's like the old time. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. And uh, we will catch everybody next week. Later.